What does it take to be a leader? Pastor Xavier Reese makes this observation. Moses, the tried leader, the overseer of the people, the servant of the people, the intercessor of the people. It is said a man who wants to lead the orchestra must turn his back on the people. Not easy being a leader. President Woodrow Wilson said that he liked to put a man in an important job to see whether he grew or just swelled. That's good. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It's true, leadership comes with a high price tag. But unfortunately, most men are all too willing to give up their character on their way to the top. Today, as he continues his study on the life of Moses, Pastor Xavier points out the steps God has ordained to develop those who are willing to answer the call to leadership. Let's join him for today's Simple Truths character study titled, The Life of Moses, Part 2. In our first study, we declared that our study of Moses would be from a threefold picture. Moses, the called deliverer, Moses, the tried leader, and Moses, the aged father. We have looked at Moses, the called deliverer, and we learned a lot of interesting things there about how God works, how his ways are not our ways, and that he's not really looking for ability as much as he's looking for availability. We um, will be looking at Moses from the second picture, Moses, the tried leader. As we move on to Exodus chapter 20, Moses became a faithful mediator of the covenant for the people. And this goes from chapter 20 down to chapter 24 of Exodus. In chapter 20, you have the 10 words which were given to be the foundation of God, of a God-centered society, the 10 commandments, literally the 10 words. Every society that has any sort of standard for society will be based upon the 10 commandments. So simple, so fundamental. We can't even have them listed in our schools because the educators say that the children might obey them. Whoa, that'd really be bad. That'd really hurt us today, wouldn't it? Notice thirdly, the various civil and moral laws were the judgments, were to be the judgments for the people. You get this from Exodus 21 down to chapter 24. Now he's getting this all up on the mountain those first 40 days, the Ten Commandments and all these judgments. In Exodus 21 and 22, you get the particular laws. In 23, the provisions for justice for all in the first nine verses, no no partial judgment. Then in chapter 24, you have the elders and Moses affirm the covenant. They say, yes, we will do it. Yes, we agree. God is the one setting the order, not man. That's important. See, we agree with God. Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together except they be agreed? The answer is no. And it's we who agree with God, not God with us. He sets the agenda. Now notice thirdly, Moses became the diligent overseer of the building of the tabernacle for the people of God. In verse 8, Moses was to declare that they were to make a dwelling in order that God would dwell with them. God wanted to dwell with them, and God wanted to know that he was going to dwell with them. So here's Moses. He's a diligent overseer to build a tabernacle so that God could dwell with them. And then in verse 9, Moses was to declare that they were to follow the pattern of all the furnishings. Notice that. According to all that I show you, that is, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the furnishings, just 
so you shall make it. The book of Hebrews makes this emphasis over and over and over again. Why? Because it spoke of future things to come and things in heaven. Exactly. And so in chapter 25, from verse 10 on down all the way to chapter 30, verse 38, Moses gave the specific descriptions of the measurements, the various furnitures, the tabernacle, the court, the oil, the garments of the priest, all of that. Now listen to Hebrews 8, 5. Who, speaking of Jesus, served the copy and shadow of the heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mount. It spoke of future things. Now, when you get to Exodus chapter 31, verse 1 through 6, Moses declared that God would fill the craftsmen with the spirit of God to fulfill the work. I love this. Here it is again. God has set the agenda, right? He calls the people. If he calls the people, he anoints them, right? And so he says right here, See, I have called by name Baziel, the son of Uri, and the son of Hur, and the tribe of Judah, and I have filled them with the spirit of God and wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, and all the manner of workmanship, to design the artistic works of the work of gold, silver, bronze, cutting jewels, setting, carved wood, and to work the manner of all workmanship. I indeed have appointed uh, with him a holy Ab, the son of Abishak, so on and so forth. God does it. He calls the people. He anoints them. People say, oh, the ministry's heavy, brother. I, the people. Well, maybe your burden isn't the Lord's. Maybe you're carrying your own burden. Now, there's nothing more consuming than ministry. There isn't enough hours in the day. But if you're chasing under it, then maybe you're carrying your own burden. Because when God calls, he anoints and he enables and he, and he equips and he does the work through the person. And if a man, all he's doing is complaining about it, then he probably isn't called He's called himself, and he's bringing attention to himself. How do you know when you're a true servant of God? He said, when they treat you like one and you don't like it, then you know you're not. <laughs> Who does he think I am? Well, he thought you were a servant. I guess you're not. It's that simple. Fourthly, tried leader Moses is characterized by being the intercessor for the people. The intercessor for the people. That brings us to Exodus chapter 32. In chapter 32, Moses became a selfless intercessor for the sin of the people. Moses had been on the mountain for 40 days, and the people became impatient and asked Aaron to make them gods to go before them. Verse 1. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. As for this Moses, this man has brought us up out of the land of Egypt. We do not know what has become of him. So I don't know if they thought maybe he slipped off or maybe he got killed up there, whatever it is. But they're ready to cut out. <laughs> In verse 2 and 5, Aaron requested their earrings. He made a golden calf, fashioned it with an engraving tool, and then proclaimed the feast of the Lord. Who? Aaron, the brother of Moses, the older brother of Moses. <laughs> you see, sometimes leaders have problem with leaders <laughs> because they're people too. In verse 6 through 10, the Lord told Moses to go down for the people had fallen into idolatry and declared them to be a stiff-necked people. And therefore, he would destroy them and make a great nation alone of Moses. Oh, here it is. Boys, you tell, make that offer to some men and say, yes, Lord, I knew I was the only one. Here is a test for Moses. Does that mean God didn't know what Moses was going to say? Sure, God knew. 
but a test nevertheless for Moses. Well, Moses says, all right, Lord, or we say no. Verse 11 through 14, Moses pleads with the Lord to turn his wrath away. Oh, good. That's good. In verses 15 through 29, Moses seeing the calf coming down, the debauchery going on. He casts the tables down and breaks it at the foot of the mountain, demonstrating that the law had been broken before it had been given, given to the people. And he confronts the people. Confrontation is not pretty, but it's necessary. Verses 15 through 29. And sometimes it is time to confront people in the church for different situations. And it's not pretty, but it has to be done. And it's not the most convenient, but it has to be done. It should be done in love. It should be done scripturally. It should be done through prayer. It should be done with witnesses of elders. But it must be done for the sake of the body. In verse 21 and 24, he confronts Aaron. And he made up a big old story how this gold was given to him. He threw it in the fire and a calf jumped out. Who's Aaron? Aaron is Moses' brother. He's the high priest. He's the go-between. <laughs> wow, the people are lost without the go-between. You see, when you sin, you hurt somebody else. You affect somebody else. When you sin, you hinder somebody else. That's dependent upon you. Verse 25 through 28, he commanded the Levites to go through the camp and kill the partakers. 3,000 fell. I said, it's pretty severe. Yeah, God is severe. He hates sin. Do you hate sin? Now, when I'm walking in the spirit, I hate sin. When I'm walking in the flesh, I love it. Notice verse 30. Down to 35, Moses pleads for the forgiveness of his people. He declares to God that if he was not willing to forgive them, then he asked him to have his name blotted out of the book of life or the book that God had written. Well, he was told by God that not one person whose sin would he bargain for. No one could be the substitute for another man. That was a very special position for his own son to come. You see? Notice secondly in Exodus 33, Moses became the loving intercessor for pleading for God's presence to go with the people. Okay, because God's mad, and rightly so. Verses 1 through 3, God declared the sinfulness of Israel and his unwillingness to go with them, lest he would consume them. So the people mourn over God's words in verse 3. They're bummed out. And then in verse 6, the people strip themselves of their ornaments, the source of their idolatry. And then when you come to verse 7 down to 11, Moses pitched the tent outside the camp and called the tabernacle of meeting for what? For all to come. Why? To reveal God's inability to be one with sin. There was sin in the camp. Verse 7, God moves out. Sin kills fellowship. In verse 9, to reveal the approval of Moses' leadership, God spoke to him. Moses had access to God. And then in verse 11, to reveal the closeness of Moses to God as a friend. Moses was a friend of God. Now notice verse 12 through 23, Moses was promised the presence of God to lead the people. The petition for God's presence was granted, verse 12 through 14. Then in verse 15, the proclamation of Moses was that without him, 
He did not want to go one step further for it was God who made them a separated people. Moses said, if you don't go, I'm not leaving here. That's good. That's wisdom. <laughs> don't ever take one step without God. You've got decisions to make. You better pray about them. You better run them through the scriptures. Because it only takes one bad mistake to mess your life up, doesn't it? The petition to see God's glory is granted also, revealing his glory to Moses there in the rest of the chapter. What an incredible privilege Moses had. God allows him to see his glory. Now notice thirdly, when you get to chapter 34, Moses became the tireless mediator of the renewed covenant. The covenant has been broken before it's even given. So in verse 1 through 9, Moses was called up by God into, to, with uh, two new tables of stone. And God revealed to him as his person, one being merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, while Moses worshiped and interceded for God's presence and forgiveness of the people. In verse 1 through 9, Moses is making intercession. He's a mediator here for the people. It's the people who have sinned, not Moses. A leader must learn that he must intercede for the people, that he cannot exalt himself above the people, and he must realize that he is as vulnerable as the people, and therefore he intercedes for the people. He's a mediator. That does not mean that you can't go to God, but I pray for you. I pray for people that come here all the time. We pray for you. We pray that God's word would take a hold of you. Make you more like Christ, less like you. <laughs> Verse 10 through 28, Moses received the details of the covenant which God wrote after being there 40 days and 40 nights, fasting. This is the second time, by the way. That means a total of 80 days and 80 nights. Then Moses comes down in verse 29 through 35 from the mountain, and his face shines with God's glory, and he has to place a veil over his face. What a relationship this man had with God. And then notice, fourthly, verse, and, and this goes from chapter 35 down to 40, that Moses became the approved steward to rear up the tabernacle. Now, there's a lot of detail here. I'm just going to give you some things. But in chapter 35 through 39, the tabernacle is constructed, the furnishings, the priest garments, all the details are there. Uh, when you get to chapter 40, verse 1 uh, through 33, the Lord commanded Moses to set up the tabernacle, anoint all the furnishings, the priests, and set it up and set the court up. It's all done. About 11 months were spent at Sinai since the Exodus. Almost a year. Verse 17 tells you that of chapter 40. Now the Lord filled the tabernacle and Moses could not enter into it. Verse 34 and 35. Kind of like when Solomon went into the temple, right? He had to run out. All the priests had to run out. And then in verse 36 and 38, the Lord led them by a cloud moving forward. And then when it stood still, they were to camp. And by night, a pillar of fire. God was leading them. The tried leader Moses was the intercessor for the people. Intercessor. We all are intercessors today. We pray for one another. We pray with one another. Very important. Now, fifth and last, Moses, the tried leader, was the witness of rebellious consequences of the people. 
Mm, this is heartache for a leader. Look at first. God had prepared them to know how to worship God through Moses in the book of Leviticus. The entire book of Leviticus was to teach them about worship. The sacrifice of the laws in the first seven chapters. The consecration of the high priest, chapter 8 and 9. The execution of Aaron's sons in chapter 10 for offering strange fire. After all the training, they blew the first sacrifice, got drunk. Chapter 11 through 15, you have the dietary laws, ceremonial cleansing after childbirth, leprosy, bodily discharges. Chapter 16, the Day of Atonement. Chapter 17 through 20, you have the sanctity of blood, sexual morality, and the penalties for such crimes. Then in chapter 21 and 22, the regulations for the priests. Chapter 23, the Feast of Israel. Chapter 24 through 25, you have the care of the lamb, the Sabbath day, the sabbatic year, the redemption of property, the lending to the poor, and the law of the slave. And then in Leviticus 26, you have the promise of the blessings and the cursings. And then in 27, you have the redeeming of property and persons dedicated to God. The entire message of Leviticus was that God was holy and they had to walk according to his laws and precepts to have fellowship with him, which would protect them from God's judgment and the consequences of their own actions and sins. Very simple message. Now notice, secondly, God had prepared them to move through the wilderness in an orderly manner. When you start the book of Numbers in chapter 1, all the way down to chapter 10, verse 10, in the first four chapters, you have the organization of Israel. You have the order for the first census, in chapter 1, the order for encampment in chapter 2. You have the order for the census of the Levites in chapter 3 and the order for the duty of the Levites in chapter 4. Then chapter 5 and 6, you have the ordinances for holiness. You have the laws of purity, the laws of restitution, and the laws of jealousy of a husband when he thought his wife was unfaithful. You have the law of the Nazarite and the law of blessings. And then in chapter 7, you have the orderly offering of the leaders of the tabernacle. Everybody gave equal parts. No one gave more. And then in chapter 8 and 9, you have the order of miscellaneous things. The lamb's order regarding Aaron, the dedication of the Levites, the second Passover, the order of God's leading by a cloud and a pillar of fire, and the trumpet to order encampment and departures and also for battle. God is the God of order. He's teaching Moses. And Moses is teaching the people. And efficiency gets done. Then thirdly, notice when you get to chapter 10, verse 11. God had prepared the people for a life of faith, but they chose to live in the flesh. You notice this last point? All of them are God prepared them to do this. God prepared them to do that. God prepared them to do everything. When they failed, it was because they didn't do what they were prepared to do. You see, it wasn't God's fault. Now notice in chapter 10, verse 11 to 36, the people departed from Sinai with God leading them in the cloud. That's good. First step, let God lead. Don't go ahead of him. Notice also chapter 11, verse 1 through 35, the people despised the manna and that displeased the Lord. They despised the provisions of God. Verse 4 tells us the mixed multitude lusted after the intense cravings of meat. Verse 15 the man Moses complains to God, being so tired of the people, com he complains of the burden, and he asks the Lord to kill him. <laughs> and so in verse 20, the Lord chooses 70 men to anoint them with the same spirit he put upon Moses 
to help him share the burden. And he sends also quail, but not for one day. He says, you're going to need a whole month till it comes out of your eyes and your ears. God will give you over to your desire, your flesh, woe to you. Notice also, when they get to chapter 12, verse 1 through 16, you have the dissension of Aaron and Miriam over the marriage of Moses to an Ethiopian woman. What's interesting in verse 1 and 2 that the instigation came from Miriam, according to the Hebrew, and she pulled Aaron into the, this ensnarement, and they both declared that God could speak through them as much as Moses. How interesting, huh? Verses 3 through 8, the Lord appears at the tabernacle door, declares Moses was the, in, in a league of his own, that he spoke to him face to face, not in dark speeches, and he rebuked them both, he said, for not being afraid to speak against Moses. Moses was the humblest man on the earth, it says there in the earlier verses. Incredible. Then in verse 9 through 12, the Lord punished Miriam by turning her into a leper and prompted Aaron to, for, to ask forgiveness of Moses and to intercede. And so the man Moses once again intercedes in verses 13 through 16, and Miriam is restored seven days afterwards. God says, you know, if someone spit in her face, she'd have to be put out of the camp at least a week, right? Put her out. How interesting. When you get to chapter 13 and 14, you have the departure of the 12 spies to return back with an evil report. In chapter 13, verse 28 and 33, despite the fruitfulness of the land, all they saw was the raised walls and the giants, and they discouraged the people. Deuteronomy 128 says, they discouraged the people. When you get to chapter 14, verse 1 through 10, the rebellion of the people was met by the intercession of Moses, Aaron, and Joshua, and Caleb as they fall to the ground and they tear their clothes in intercession to plead with the people. The people are ready to stone them. And so in verses 11 through 19, the Lord appears and expresses his displeasure with the people once again and spoke of destroying the people. But Moses intercedes once again. And so the Lord pardons them, but promises that they would not enter the promised land and they would spend the rest of their lives in the greatest death march that Israel would ever expect. Fine. You don't want my best? I'll give you the wilderness. There are too many Christians that live all their life in the wilderness. Always going around in circles. Eleven days they could have been there. From this point, it's 38 years and some months. Wilderness. It is said a man who wants to lead the orchestra must turn his back on the people. It's not easy being a leader. President Woodrow Wilson said that he liked to put a man in an important job to see whether he grew or just swelled. That's good. <laughs> Moses, the tried leader, he's marked by these five characteristics. The scapegoat of the people. The overseer of the people. The servant of the people. The intercessor of the people. And the witness of rebellious consequences of the people. And here's the heartache of the leader. Having all that he had done, seeing all that God had done, the people did not enter the land because of their fleshly choices. And God presses towards the promised land. Enter in. Enter into his rest. Pastor Xavier Reese and five marks of a faithful leader. 
Five Stepping Stones That All Come With a Price. Now you can pick up a copy of today's message, Moses Part 2, for more in-depth study at your own pace on this topic of leadership. It's available on CD for only $4. And this will include everything we shared the last time we were together, plus even more teaching that our limited broadcast time didn't allow us to include. So once again, the title to ask for is Moses Part 2, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This way we can track this outreach in your area. It's much easier to talk about God's program than it is to follow it. Be sure and join us for the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese as we learn what happens when we try and walk in our own direction. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com